Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free, which is great. And there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer all in one. And it is the platform that I use to host and upload my podcast. They will distribute your podcast for you. It can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can also make money from your podcast through Anchor with no minimum listenership, which is lit. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks, Anchor. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Acting My Age with me, Rohini Elise. Oh, it feels good to record. Feels very, very good. I missed you guys. I missed you last week. But in case you, I don't know where you've been. Maybe you've been somewhere without service or TV, but there's a movement going on and I decided it would be better to have our focus, yours and mine, um, be on the movement than this podcast and frankly, I just, it just felt really inappropriate. Um, so yeah, I felt like skipping last week was the best thing to do, but I'm back this week. Please check out my Instagram story highlight and also my YouTube video. It's called Let's Talk. Um, I talk more about what I'm doing to educate myself and where I'm donating, what petitions I'm signing, and also what you can do to help to keep this movement going because, It is not just a moment, it's a movement. I've been seeing that a lot and it's going to be a lot of people doing work for months and months and years and years on themselves and and learning and unlearning and it's not going to happen it's not going to happen in a week it's gonna it's gonna be a long process so i just encourage you guys to stick with it i made a list of three places to donate and three books to read every month until the end of the year just so i can hold myself accountable even when life goes back to quote unquote normal i can still make sure that I'm doing my part to try to learn. If you guys want to read along with me, I think that would be really cool. Yeah, so any listeners that are listening right now who might be black, I'm here for you and I promise I am in this for the long haul. And I hope that this episode can be a nice little distraction um, or a nice little getaway or bring just to bring some positivity and some relaxation into your life because um, I know a lot of people are struggling right now. episode will be a peek into my childhood and my upbringing. 
Um, well, it'll be more than a peek. It's like I'm opening up the windows and you guys can just see right in. See right, right in. The windows are wide open. I had the idea to do this episode when I was talking to my manager on the phone. That sounds so bougie saying that. I promise it's really not that bougie. He was asking about my upbringing and when I finished telling him a little bit about it, he was like, wow, well, you don't hear that every day. That's very interesting. And I was like, damn, maybe this is kind of interesting. <laughs> maybe I should talk about it. So here we are. I mean, I get a lot of questions like, why do you have an Indian name? What? <laughs> You're white, but you have an Indian name? I am the only the only white gal I've met with the name Rohini, and it is a very common name in India. Rohini is it's a very popular name, and there is um, some big celebrities with the name Rohini, so it's a very cool and hip name in India, and I love my name. I've never wanted to change it. I think it's pretty dope, and I like having a unique name. But anyway, we're going to talk all about that. It kind of just centers around my name, everything that I am going to share with you guys. I'm going to talk about growing up on Whidbey, more about my parents, more about my family's religion that they practice. It's a form of Hinduism. I haven't really ever gone into depth about that. I think it might be very interesting to you guys because it is rather unique. That's what I'm going to be talking about today. Um, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Thanks for tuning in. Let's, let's get into it. Okay, so I'm feeling like a little bit rusty. I only missed one week, but I still feel kind of like weird. I don't know. I haven't recorded in a week. I'm like forgetting, forgetting my mojo. I gotta get my mojo back. <laughs> so I guess I'll just start off with, you know, growing up. You guys have heard lots of little bits and pieces from the other podcast episodes. I lived in Seattle. Seattle proper until second grade. We moved to Whidbey Island. We originally moved to Whidbey because my dad got a job opportunity on Whidbey. He's a carpenter. He wasn't having that much luck finding work in Seattle. They had some friends on Whidbey that could hire him and give him more jobs. So we moved to Whidbey for job opportunities basically and my mom was a stay-at-home mom for a lot of my childhood but she also worked for a lot of nonprofits. she's actually quite badass and a very cool lady she used to go she has an art history degree and she used to go to prisons to teach art she also spent some time as a guardian ad litem and she also used to work to support victims of domestic abuse so she's really she's really cool she's a badass lady and i admire what she's done a lot we leave seattle we head on over to Whidbey Island. Whidbey Island. What's the population of Whidbey Island, actually? 67,000 residents. But that's like the whole island, so I wonder what South Whidbey is because... Okay, yeah. South Whidbey Island, as of 2018, has 14,138 residents. It's probably different. That was two years ago. But yeah, pretty small. Um, South Whidbey and North Whidbey are very different. <laughs> Whenever we would play the North would be school like in sports in high school there'd be like major rivalry we called them poopville even though they were coopville there's like lots of rivalry there it's just like an, an extremely different vibe south would be to north would be so if you ever go visit definitely would recommend checking out south would be first no shade to north would be but like south would be super small like quaint little nice seaside town like really small shops and nice little streets to walk around and then north would be like you know the big chain stores, Walmart, Kmart, Starbucks, like all those really big stores, which we don't have at all on the South End. It's very like farms and nice little local shops and very cute. I love it. My high school was about 400 people total to paint the picture. I think my graduating class had like 
103 students in it. So very small. I know some of my friends had like their class was a thousand people. So yeah, only a hundred of us. And we all grew up together, like from elementary school through middle school to high school. We all grew up together. We all knew each other. Everyone was in everyone's business. Like people dated all the same people. You just kind of pass them around. <laughs> it's just like, I feel like it really is that, that like small town that's in the TV show or in the movie. It's like a very safe, small community. A lot of old people there. There's not a lot to do, like literally nothing. I think the bowling alley closed when when I was, I don't know, in elementary school still. And there was one movie theater that played one movie on Fridays. <laughs> and it's like, there really wasn't anything to do. So we drank and partied a lot on the weekends. And I would say we started very young, like very young, um, seventh grade. Yep. Seventh grade. I know it's kind of crazy. Not like super going super hard in seventh grade, but I think we definitely did. And I'm just speaking for my friend group. I would say we were a little bit advanced. We were a little advanced. We were very bored. If you picture that scene in the in the movies or the TV shows where the kids in the small town just run around and they're like sneaking out to basically do nothing but just to sneak out. Like that's literally what we did. Um, we would always sneak out of my friend Wesley's house in middle school, like all of the time we would go to the neighborhood boys houses. It depended whose boys house we were going to sneak to, but sometimes it'd be like a mile away. We were literally just sneaking in the middle of the night, like a group of eight girls going to go try and see some boys. Like that's freaking crazy. (laughs) And we just didn't. And then we'd go to like the local gas station and get some snacks and just, I don't know. It was just, we were so bored, you know? We really weren't doing much. We got caught a lot. Like, very often we got caught because Wesley's... <laughs> this is, like, one of my best memories from middle school, honestly. Um, We would have, like, these epic sleepovers at Wesley's house because Wesley's in my grade and then her older sister, Emily, was a grade older. So then we had this huge group of friends of, like, I don't even know, like, at least eight people that would all spend the night at Wesley and Emily's house, and we would just have these epic sleepovers with lots of good snacks, and then at night, we would shenanigans. I guess that's a good word to use. We would just, were up to a lot of shenanigans, our our group, and once Wesley's parents went to bed, we would sneak out. We would wear all black, put on some beanies, black yoga pants, like, just be super stealthy and sneak out and run down the driveway, and, and uh, as we kept getting caught, her mom and dad kept adding more, like, security cameras and stuff. So I literally don't know if this is true, but it's one of my best memories of middle school. Like, we thought Emily or Wesley, I think it was Emily, said that there was, like, a motion sensor or something in the kitchen. So we were all, like, in all black, lining up in the kitchen, trying to sneak out through the back door. And so we would, like, literally, like stop, drop, and roll, like, do a somersault, like, jump over this line where we, like, they said the motion sensor was, and we'd be, like, army crawling and shimmy against the wall, and I literally don't know if there actually was a motion sensor, but it was so fun and so exciting, and it was just, like, I don't know, it was such a good memory, (laughs) but yeah, we got caught a lot, we got caught a lot, and I remember one time, Wesley and I were the last ones, I'm pretty sure, I think it was Wesley and I, um, we were the last ones of the line, the long line of girls trying to sneak out and they all got caught and we saw that they were getting caught and so we just went back upstairs and acted like we weren't sneaking out with all of them and uh yeah yep yep and so we didn't get in trouble (laughs) but I definitely got in trouble a lot in middle school we got caught I remember one time we were hiding one of our guy friends houses that we snuck out to 
we were hiding like in his clothing rack and then his mom like opened up the clothing rack and was like, hi girls. <laughs> and yeah, we got in trouble. So got my phone taken away a lot in middle school, got grounded a lot in middle school, just got in trouble a lot because I was bored and I wanted to rebel and I wanted to have fun and I wanted to be able to do more adult things, even though I was only in sixth grade. <laughs> Oh man, I would sneak like skimpier outfits in my backpack. I would sneak makeup in my backpack. Sixth grade, what a time to be alive. But yeah, that's like a little peek into what my childhood was like running through the forest in the middle of the night. Like we would all have a buddy and so we wouldn't be scared being outside at night because there's no street lamps. There's really barely any street lamps on Whidbey. Most all of the roads are just pitch black at night. Um, and we would like listen to the owls and get scared shitless if one, like an owl would make a noise. It's just, I don't know. It's just a really, I'm like very grateful for my upbringing in a way because it was just really like, it was so safe, you know, we could just kind of do, do whatever. So yeah, high school is kind of the same, kind of the same vibe, like really not a lot to do. But by the time I got to high school, I was very determined to like, fill up my schedule and not be bored, not be so bored. So I like joined tons of clubs. I was in student government. I was cheerleader for two years. I quit because my coach was a freaking biatch. She literally talked shit about me to um, some other girls on the team. She was really mean. She would like straight up bully some of the girls on the team without them knowing like she was not good. So yeah, my friend Hannah and I quit that shit. Good riddance, but it was fun my freshman year. You know, I was like, oh, cheerleader dating the football boys. Oh my God. Football boys, football boys, football and baseball boys. Yum, yum. Uh, the jocks. The jocks are never a good idea. <laughs> That's not true. But I mean, come on. I don't know who I thought I was trying to go after these seniors and juniors as a freshman. Jeez. Also, I should say my parents were very strict. <laughs> Probably doesn't sound like it, but they were very strict. And especially my dad. He had no idea what I was up to, like, all of middle school and high school. He still probably doesn't know. Yeah, my parents were pretty dang strict. I had, like, much earlier curfew than all my friends. Had to be the little, the sleepover excuse, like, oh, I'm going to stay the night at Catherine's, and then we're, like, going to a party, or, oh, I'm going to stay the night at Wesley's, and then we, like, sneak out, you know. You know, <laughs> you know how it goes. So one thing that I think is really unique about my upbringing, like I said, it all kind of revolves around my name, I guess is a good way to start. So my name is Rohini and it is a Sanskrit word. It means beautiful star. Um, that's actually funny. I just Googled Rohini Sanskrit name meaning and there's like 31 different different meanings. <laughs> uh, one says it means woman. Another says it means light. Another says it means the light. Another says it means gift from God. But what I was told growing up is it means beautiful star. Um, I like that very much. <laughs> it's very nice. It's a very nice uh, meaning for a name. And yeah, so it's a Sanskrit name and my brothers also have Sanskrit names. My two older brothers, their names are Ravi and Dhruva. And I also should mention, in case you didn't know this, they're actually my half-brothers technically, but like we're extremely close. That's never been like a, oh, you're my half-brother. Like it's nothing like that. We're very close and always have been. But um, my dad was married before and we have different moms. So that's why they're so much older than me because 
they're full they're like 40 and i'm you know 22 it's pretty big age difference my dad's just just a stud i guess <laughs> yeah but we all have we all have sanskrit names and druva's name means the north star and ravi means the sun so we're all kind of stars i guess is the theme and my my name i've also been told means red star so it's like red star north star and the sun and that's my siblings yay yeah i guess really quick i should say that my brothers were already out of the house basically when i was younger because i when i was born I think Ravi was 16 and Dhruva was 17 or maybe 15 and 16. So then by the time I was like, you know, conscious, a conscious human, they were basically already out of the house. I saw them like every once in a while growing up once they were like in college and traveling. I would sometimes only see them like once or twice a year, which was really sad. We've always stayed close and they've always been like extremely supportive, extremely caring. They're so much older than me that it's never been like there's no sibling rivalry or like beef between siblings like they've always just been extremely protective over me and very like just just the cutest biggest brothers you could ever imagine like they think of me as their little row their little robo and I love them a lot so anywho people ask me like so basically you grew up like an only child I'm like I kind I mean I did I was the only child living at home but it's not like my brothers were always a part of my life, like very much. So I didn't, I never felt like an only child. I never had the experience of sharing my home with a sibling. Um, so I'm sure that's very different um, than what I experienced. Why do three white peeps have Indian names? My parents both practice a Hindu religion called Siddhi Yoga. It is a very small religion. Um, I've never met anyone that's heard of it when I say it. Yeah, it's basically a form of Hinduism and it is, it's a very beautiful religion. Let's take it back, take it back. So my brothers, their parents, my dad and their mom, Linda, who's an angel. She's so sweet. I love her. They, I believe, met through the religion. My dad actually was basically like the bodyguard for the uh, this is so hard to explain sometimes. They're equivalent of a their Jesus, like in their religion. One of their their deities, their gurus, their religious like figurehead. My dad was basically the bodyguard for them. So you know, he had some he had some clout. He had some clout in this religion. He traveled around the world and the country, moving them around the country, making sure they were safe. My dad's been I don't know the I don't know the actual age that he found this religion but he grew up in a christian household very conservative same with my mom they both grew up in a christian household and maybe late 20s or early 30s when he found city yoga and he just like his whole life he put his whole life into this religion he's such a spiritual guy he is the most like devout man i think i have ever met <laughs> Yeah, he just like embodies embodies their religion and he's very dedicated to it. He I think met Linda, my brother's mom through the religion and they got married and they had my brothers and they lived in India actually in an ashram in India. It was a city yoga ashram and they like they lived there, they worked there, they raised their kids there. There was a huge community. So my brother Ravi was actually born in India, which is really cool. My brothers grew up in an ashram. So they're they're devotion and their experience with city yoga is a lot different than what mine is because like I said they grew up like all of their friends their whole community they had people their own age to talk to they had people their own age to hang out with it was just like they're completely you know submersed in the religion growing up and I definitely was not I'll get back to that in a second my 
mom, this is how she remembers meeting my dad. I think this is really cool. So I don't know if you guys are spiritual or religious, but I am definitely like a spiritual person and I believe in God and I believe, you know, that there's something else out there. So my mom is sitting in this, uh, like in the, the church basically it wasn't, it's not called a church, but sitting in the church called it just like the center. So sitting in the center meditating and then she hears this booming voice just saying, that is your husband. And then my dad walks in. <laughs> my dad walks into the hall and yeah, she literally heard a voice saying that as your husband. So that's some powerful shit, you guys. And my dad had a similar experience seeing my mom um, just kind of knew like, damn, that's, that's wifey. <laughs> yeah, they fell in love and started dating and bada bing, bada boom. They got married a few years. They were engaged for three years because they wanted like Ravi and Dhruva to get used to the idea and get used to my mom. Didn't want to rush it on them at all. And something I should say also that I think is really cool. Very interesting. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like how to describe this. So basically there's, there's like, it's called darshan, but basically you go in a line. I don't know what the same, what's the, like the same word is in like a Christian religion, but basically you go in a line and you like offer blessings to like I don't know, I guess the equivalent would be like the pastor or like the priest. I'm not really sure. But you go up and you offer your blessings and like prayers and um, you can talk to the person who is the like the guru or the figurehead of this religion. So my brothers went up in Darshan and talked to talked to the guru and she said, I'm forgetting the exact words, but it was something like, this is for your sister or when you have a sister or you will have a sister, something about having a sister. And they were young at that point And my mom and dad hadn't even met yet. They were like, what? We don't have a sister. And she just like gave them this look. Um, so she like knew years and years before that I was going to come into this world, I guess. She actually named me. She named me and she named my brothers, which I think is very special. My parents wrote her and told her about me and she gave me my name. So yeah, my parents met, fell in love and they... My dad is pretty old at this point. I think he was 48, perhaps, 49 when he had me. I guess it was very intentional and my mom was like, I want, I want a daughter. I want a... She actually had a lot of problems with her heart her whole life. So she wasn't actually supposed to get pregnant or have a baby because her heart wasn't going to be able to handle it. Apparently that was what she was told. And she was like, no, 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 it'll be fine. And she knew from the second she didn't get like a gender test or anything. She just knew it was a girl. I guess she was having dreams about like brushing a little girl's hair and braiding it. So she knew it was going to be a girl. She knew she was going to be okay. And that is just something that's like so powerful about having like a strong faith. I feel like you can just have so much trust and so much, you know, faith that things are going to be a certain way because she was like high risk. They did all these extra tests and they thought I was going to have a bunch of problems and I didn't. Um, and she knew, I guess that I didn't. She's like, no, she's fine. It's like a false test or no, she's fine. I don't know. My mom just knew I was okay, which I think is, it's just crazy. Like power of a mom, you know, she had me and it was an extremely, extremely difficult birth. She flatlined actually when, after I was born, I think like right after she had like a team of like 14 doctors during the birth, her heart was not really strong enough to ha handle the birth. The epidurals didn't work. She had multiple and they did not work. So she, yeah, she flatlined and she told me that basically she could just 
she like felt like she was looking down at the room and she saw my dad like praying, 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 praying so hard, like the hardest he's ever prayed before sitting by her bed. And she like realized like, uh Oh, like I'm not supposed to leave yet. And so then she came back and that's what she told me exactly how it went. Yeah. They didn't like, she just came back. She was flatlining and then she came back. I think that's so fucking crazy and cool. Yeah. So my dad basically like prayed her back. That guy, I swear, you guys, if any of you will ever meet him, I mean, I don't know if you have any of my friends that are listening to this that have met him. Like, he is just, he's quite the guy. He's, like, the closest thing I've ever met to a, like, a, like, a monk or, like, a, he is so devoted and so spiritual and you can just tell, like, damn, that guy's got some, got some juice behind his prayers, (laughs) basically. My mom came back and she was rushed into emergency heart surgery. That was super scary, obviously, for the whole family. But um, I was okay and my mom ended up being okay. Yeah, I was born. That was my birth. And there was a thunder and lightning storm right when I was born. And so my parents always talk about that whenever there's thunder and lightning. That it was like, boom, welcome to the world, Rohini. Here's some thunder and lightning. My mom actually had to have another heart surgery when I was in like, I don't know, fourth grade or something. And this is another cool badass mom story. Must have been in, yeah, third or fourth grade. I had this play. I used to do some theater when I was little. I liked being in plays and stuff. My mom had had a heart surgery. I think, I don't know. Oh my God, I can't remember days because I was young in my mind. Let's not remember the dates. I should have asked her. But she had had heart surgery and she was having a lot of heart pains during one of my plays. She didn't want me to look out into the audience and see that neither of my parents were there. She didn't want me to be alone during this play. And so she forced my dad to stay and watch me while she is literally having heart, like insane heart pains. And she drives herself 40 minutes up the island to the hospital. And it turns out that one of the wires in her heart like popped loose. Can you believe that? This lady, like moms are so fucking tough, dude. Like they're so strong and they will do anything for their babies. Like they're, it's, it's, it's amazing. Now I'm like, mom, what the heck? Like I would have been fine. You need to like take care of yourself. Damn. But I really honestly am in awe of her. That's, it's like so strong. She's a very strong lady. Yeah. So (laughs) that's pretty crazy. It's pretty freaking crazy. Like, no, no, Steve, that's my dad's name. You stay with Rohini. I'm going to go dry myself 40 minutes to get this wire poked back in my heart properly. Like, holy shit, mom. Yeah. So that's a little bit about my parents. (laughs) They're very sweet, loving, spiritual people. They're operating on the highest wavelength you can really be on. They're vibing up there real good. They're really vibing. (laughs) I talked about it a little bit, but yeah, my, my brothers had a very different upbringing spiritually than I did. They were very involved. Their lives were immersed in city yoga and mine, mine was not. Mine was going to like the equivalent of church once a week. And then when we moved to Whidbey Island, there's like a much smaller community on Whidbey Island. But actually though, it's pretty cool that out of such a small population, there were this many like devotees of this, of city yoga. So I was trying to figure out what to call this podcast. And I almost, I don't know if I will, but I was thinking like, why are people singing in your living room? (laughs) That was what I was singing to call it because I was so embarrassed of this religion, you guys. I was so embarrassed growing up because it was so different than all my other friends. Um, All of them, you know, just had the, the, the normal, in quotes, normal, like, Christian upbringing and they go to church on Easter to be different, like, so different in this way than all my friends. I was, like, ashamed of it. I 
lied about it. I didn't want to talk about it. I acted like it didn't exist. And it just seemed very, like, uncool to me at the time, which, uh, I mean, everything seems uncool in middle school, you know? Everything seems so much worse than it is because you're so concerned about all the judgments from other people in middle school. It's, like, the toughest time for that, I feel like. I slowly started to accept it more and more as I got older. Now I'm, like, very grateful for being raised within City Yoga, and I'm, like, very appreciative of the religion because it's very beautiful and very accepting and very open and very loving, you know? I think that's really great. So basically in high school, my parents would host the other members of this religion over every other Wednesday for satsang, which is basically like, I don't really know what the word would be, but they, they, they chant, they meditate, they do yoga, they talk amongst themselves, they read out of the, um, the equivalent of the Bible. I'm like, I'm trying to be a little bit delicate because I don't want to I don't know. I don't really know how much I should share. Actually, <laughs> I guess here's some tea, so some perhaps some tea. The book Eat, Pray, Love, you guys have probably read it or heard of it or seen the movie. The religion that she is talking about is the same religion that my parents have. She never says it, but it's it's the same one. So if you've ever read Eat, Pray, Love, then you might have a little bit of an insight into um, what their religion is, what their spiritual practice is. Yeah, so they would host everyone maybe like I don't know, 20, 25 people over at our house. They were all, they're all old. Um, they were all like 50 and over pretty much besides maybe like one or two people under 50. And I was not, I was not down. I was not down to be out there chanting and meditating with a bunch of 50 year olds. Like, I know that sounds mean, but I just, I was in middle school. I just wanted to like look at magazines and listen to pop music and talk to my crush, you know? like I just wasn't down I wasn't into it and I became like super embarrassed of it so I would always like make up an excuse of why like my friends couldn't come over on Wednesday or I would often try to go to someone else's house on Wednesday by the time I got to be older I just didn't really care as much and like a couple of my friends like Catherine and Marin would come over on Wednesday and they're like is that night where all your parents friends come over and sing in the living room <laughs> and so we would just be in the back room like doing homework and then they, you could just hear them chanting in the background incense would be wafting into my room so that's like who I tr- who I trusted you know my friends that I could trust to tell them about about this part of my life for some reason I was ashamed of it because it was different which is crazy and so that is like in a way, I'm, I'm almost, like, jealous of my brothers because they got to have such a different experience. It wasn't, like, something to be ashamed or, like, embarrassed of. It was just, like, their life, their life. And listening to them talk about their experience, their experiences is, like, super powerful. In high school, I just tried to, I just tried to push it away. I never really practiced it. I would go to, like, Christian camp and go to the local Christian um, youth group. Even though I had really no intention of becoming Christian, I just wanted to be a part of something like that, I guess, and I wanted to be mainstream, and I enjoyed the prayers, and I enjoyed listening to that, being a part of that community, but then I, uh, then it, then it went too far, so I was, like, involved in the youth group, there was, like, a lot of my friends went, it was, like, a cool, popular thing to do, I guess, to go to the youth group, and there was always, like, a bunch of fun activities and snacks, and they make it, like, very appealing for, you know, the youth to come, and that's basically like the opposite of what my parents, like they were like meditating with a bunch of 50-year-olds and then the youth group was like listening to fun music and snacks and like seeing cute boys and like it's literally the opposite, you know? So in a way I understand why I chose to do that, but at the same time now I'm like, dang, I wish I would have just, whatever, it's okay, it's okay. I feel like I learned a lot <laughs> doing that. So I was really involved with 
the youth group for a while. Uh, I just liked, I liked the community. I liked my friends going to it. And I, my boy, one of my boyfriends at the time was really involved. So I just, you know, kind of hopped in. Then a lot of the people that were involved that I was friends with were graduating. And then it was time the leader of the youth group wanted my friend and I to kind of take over being the leaders of it and to be a leader you had to sign this these papers in this manual basically saying you will not have premarital sex you will not smoke you will not drink you will like you do not approve of gay people you will not and I was like holy fucking shit you guys and I was like uh hello I've literally already had sex I drink like frequently <laughs> like this is not also this is fucked up so I uh yeah peaced out and then never went again after that so that was extremely eye-opening to me because it's like on the surface it seems super enticing and super fun and like no pressure and just to gather some community and then once you're like in it they're like yeah by the way you cannot uh have sex you're a sinner and goodbye super not down with that especially given how I was raised was like the opposite of that sin is not a part of the conversation city yoga believes that like god is in everyone and everyone is great and everyone is like light and love and I know not everyone's uh, experience with Christianity is like that. And I know there is a lot of amazing churches that are super open and accepting. And I know so many of my friends who are devout Christians and, and I love them to death and they're incredible. And I think that's amazing. I think it's amazing when someone can find a spiritual, a spiritual practice or religion that they love and that can bring them, you know, joy and bring them like comfort. I think that's really amazing. So literally no shade to anyone who is Christian listening, no shade at all. I'm just simply sharing like what I experienced. And I know that's not, that's not what everyone experiences. So that was the end of that. And then I realized like, hmm, I don't think I will, I think I have to find this on my own. You know, I think I have to form a spiritual practice that works for me. And then I also, you know, started dating Sage after, after that, my last Christian camp ended. And then like a month later, I met Sage, who was never a part of the Christian youth group. And his dad uh, was an atheist growing up. And his mom has her own like unique spiritual practice that is kind of similar actually to my parents, which is pretty cool. We bonded over that um, when we first started dating because it's like very rare. Yeah, I just kind of realized I needed to find it on my own. And Anne, Sage's mom, like really has made her own spiritual practice that is like very beautiful. And I don't think the more that I learn, the more I listen, the more I the more I grow. I definitely think that there's no like one right path. I think whatever whatever makes you feel like enlightened and makes you feel like there's something else out there. Like, whatever gets you in touch with that side of the the universe, <laughs> I think is great. And I think it's different for everyone. And I don't think there's one right way to do it. I think there are many, many, many paths to God and that may sound cheesy or maybe that's not something you believe but I that's just what I believe I don't think there's one right way to do it yeah so for me right now I'm just kind of kind of trying to figure out what that practice is and it's funny because so many of the things that I was so embarrassed of growing up are things that I'm implementing now and that are helping me so much I was so embarrassed that my parents meditated and I was so embarrassed to meditate and I acted like I didn't know what it was or didn't know how even though when I was growing up my entire life until we moved to Woodby, I would be meditating every week. And my parents and their friends would always be like, wow, Rohini is such a yogi. Like, she's just so into it because I would just really be down to meditate and I really enjoyed it. And 
I just would act like I didn't know these things, even though that's how I was raised. Like, I can remember a lot of their prayers and chants just off the top of my head because I've listened to them, like, every day growing up. My dad would play a chant while he was making his oatmeal in the morning every single day. So, like, it is ingrained in me, you know? It, it, it is, and there's no way to deny that. And I think it's funny or interesting that even when I was in my, like, super denial, like, that's so embarrassing, that's so weird, why do my parents do that, like, phase, like, when I, whenever I was in trouble or I needed help, I would always pray using the same prayers that I was taught growing up, like, I would always, I guess, revert, that's not the right word, but that's what I would turn to when I needed some comfort, so I think even though the outside part of me wanted to be embarrassed, like, my inner self knew that it was something that I could turn to and that it was like a safe a safe thing for me I'm meditating every day and I think it's really wonderful and my parents are both really accomplished meditators my dad can go for hours and hours and he's just yeah he's just vibing I don't know how to explain it you guys, if you could meet him, that would really help, but just take my word for it. He's on a high frequency, let me tell you. I am trying to figure out what the practices that work for me, but I am definitely more open to my parents' religion now. Like, I used to not say the prayers with them. Like, when we're in a family gathering, I wouldn't say the prayers with, like, before a meal, and now I'm like, no, like, this is, like, I know this. This is, this is great. I'll say it. So I think that's Diff- like definitely changing for me because I am grateful for it's it's a beautiful religion I don't really know how to I don't really know how to describe it but it is very open and um loving and beautiful and Sanskrit is a very beautiful language to listen to so I don't know exactly how my upbringing in this way has contributed to my personality but I know there's a significant a significant impact because it is very different very different than anyone I met or know growing up. It's just like on Christmas Eve, we have Indian dinner. We don't have the traditional, I don't even know what you have on Christmas Eve, like a turkey or something. We have Indian food. Um, Every Sunday when I was little, we'd have to listen to the like chants for a couple hours before I was allowed to like watch cartoons. Like my parents meditate every day. Yoga is like a normal a normal practice. I grew up with photos of Indian men and women all over my walls. I grew up listening to Indian music. My brother and his wife basically, not exclusively, but they listen to so much Bollywood music and so much um, Indian music and so many chants. Like, it's just, it's just very different. I feel like it's very unique and I'm growing to appreciate that more and more as I, as I get older. So I think that I think that does have an effect on me because I never really felt like I can't really relate to the like white girl upbringings or like the white I don't know like I can't really relate to it we didn't have the Thanksgiving this or that or the Christmas this or that or like those traditions I don't know it's just different I don't really know how to describe it if I come home on a Sunday there's no football there's no football being played there is incense burning there is a chant on the on the the speakers my dad's chanting his heart out while he like you know cleans some dishes or something my mom's probably making some Indian food and on the way to the kitchen I walk past 
two photos of the ashram in India and a photo of my parents' guru that is also Indian. So it's just like, it's different, you know? It's it's a, it's a unique upbringing and I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, the, the majority of this episode is, was talking about my parents' um, religion, spiritual practice. I think that's just super unique and I wanted to share it with you guys because it is a, a founding pillar of my personality and my 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 life who I am um and I something I really think about is how will Sage and I raise our kids because I definitely am more spiritual than him but he he has it in him I know he does and his chart actually his astrological chart whenever he gets it read they always say like wow you're going to be very spiritual like you have a deep deep spiritual life although you like you might not know it now and he's like yeah yeah I've heard it before (laughs) I just think like everyone needs to discover what works for them you know because that's the way that it's gonna make the most difference in your life is when it really sits and fits for you um sits with you fits for you I don't know what I just said I don't know I really wonder how we're gonna raise our kids because I want them to know that there's something else out there and I want them to know that if they need to meditate and they need to pray that like to find comfort that that is a great thing to do. I don't know. We'll see. I'm definitely going to read up on it. Read up a lot more because I grew up praying before every meal. Um, yeah, like, you know, you, we would hold hands before we ate. We'd say a prayer and then we would eat. And that's and that's the same as Sage's family, Sage's mom, too. So it'll just be interesting what we decide to do. Like, I like I like going around, like, you all hold hands and you go around and say one thing you're grateful for. And then you say, like, thank you for this food. Like, something like that. Like, I just think the, the practice of saying a prayer and, like, showing gratitude before you eat is something that's really wonderful. And I feel like that, that instills a lot in you. Just that simple practice of being like, thank you for this food, you know? damn, I'm getting real cheesy and real deep in this, but I do think it's beautiful. But shit, Sage and I don't do that now. We only do that when we're with our parents. So I don't know. Maybe that's something we'll start when we have kids. I don't know, guys. I would love to hear what your your upbringings were around religion or spirituality. I have friends that like astrology and Harry Potter were not allowed in their households growing up. So I'm on the opposite spectrum of that. And I think it's really interesting to hear and talk to people who, you know, it's just nice to learn from other people and and talk about your experiences because I find that as you get older, you kind of merge, you merge what you, your upbringing and then you merge it with your own, what you're finding as your own beliefs because you realize your own beliefs when you get older. It's harder to find your own beliefs when you're still living at home. So, you know, as you get into the world, you can kind of be like, oh, wait, I don't really like that. Or, oh, wait, this sits better for me. Or, oh, wait, like, I want to do this instead. So, so yeah, I would love to hear what you guys, what your upbringings were, what your, what your experiences were. I'm honestly so curious. Um, if any of you have had a similar upbringing to me, that would be freaking cool. I would love to hear it. I'd love to hear it. Also, I should have probably said this earlier. Yeah, I definitely should have. My dad, he is 70 and he's been practicing this religion since he was like at least 30. So that's 40 years. The ideals of this religion and the beliefs are like fully ingrained in him so I was definitely brought up much more conservative like with how I'm supposed to dress and how I'm supposed to talk to my elders and my dad has a sister not his blood sister but he calls her sister Sarla who's Indian I'm supposed to call her Sarla Masi and Jag Kaka like I'm I I was raised like I don't know I don't know how to describe it but my brother had an Indian wedding and I remember that was that was a few years ago and a few of you guys maybe were still following me then you guys are like, why do you, why are you in a sorry? Like, why do you have an Indian wedding? My brother and his wife had a full Indian wedding, full ass. 
Indian wedding. It was amazing. It was beautiful. Yeah, I'm already out of time, but I just think you guys might know more about me, understand more about me by sharing this because when I say some offhand, like slightly spiritual thing, you might be like, okay, Rooney, like hippie ass. But (laughs) when you know more about how I was raised, I feel like it'll make more sense. love you guys so much thank you so much for listening i kind of want to do another like send in your send in your stories episode maybe for the next one i feel like that could be good okay i've decided so for next week i just want you guys to send in your worst like scandals like your worst in school scandals something that just made you cringe so hard or was just like so scandalous could be like getting caught having you know doing the nasty in the closet or I don't know what but submit anything that you think is scandalous or worth a good laugh or just something you want to get off your chest just submit them my way and I think next week we can we can all dive into those we can have some laughs we can cringe um I think that would be really good so send your scandals my way um email them to me at rohinimick at gmail.com or you can dm them to me at rohihi123 that's my finsta before I go I want to read something I just posted on my instagram today I reposted it it's from a writer a poet named adrian michael green on instagram And I just think, I thought it was really beautiful and it touched me. And during times, times such as these where a lot is, a lot is kind of hurting, like the world is hurting. I just feel like poetry is really nice. Maybe that's really cheesy, but um, yeah, so I wanted to read it for you guys. When you don't know what to say, say something anyway. Dozen roses to send someone you care about. Just checking in. You don't have to respond. There's a lot going on and you're on my mind. If you ever want to talk, know that you can reach out to me. Day or night, right now, 2 a.m. I don't know how you are feeling, but I'm down to hold some of that for you. Hold you in ways you need when you feel like no one is there. But I care. I'm no good with words, but actions speak louder. I apologize for saying nothing sooner. Charge it to my head and not my heart. How are you? Give me your burdens. You have me always. Thinking of you always. I love you. I just thought that was really nice, and that really sums up how I've been feeling. Just, I want to listen. I want to be better. I want you guys to feel like you can talk to me always. And yeah, that just summed up how I felt. So thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for giving me ratings and reviews. I love you guys so much. I'm really uh, honored that I got to share this part of my life with you. Um, Hopefully you feel closer to me. (laughs) And yeah, I will see you guys next week for a very fun funny episode. Love you guys so much and thank you so much for tuning in to Acting My Age with me, Rohini Elise. See you next week.